Okay, and we're live. Pancreation Philosophy, episode 46. I'm your host, Pocholo Cruz. And with me today is returning guest, <laughs> Gung Fu and YouTube, Joel Ridzak. What's up? Yeah. yeah, and also new guest, Michael Briggs. First time he's ever been on the show. Don't ask anyone else. But yeah, Michael, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. I'm yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm glad to have both of you guys here for this for the show so where we talk mainly about you know martial arts so let's get started with michael like how did you become involved in martial arts um so uh, martial arts and me go way back i started when i was really young um i got into freestyle wrestling well i was always into bruce lee everything i mean i don't know a kid that wasn't into um john claude van damme and blade sport yeah (laughs) yeah exactly well i mean just all all those superhero movies when i was a young kid i was obsessed i remember i was even obsessed with like american ninja which was like guys in different colored uniforms and then i would even like take (laughs) gummy bears and like make them into ninjas i was obsessed from a young age with martial arts but then uh got started freestyle wrestling about eight years old eight nine um, did that for a little while, then went into, eventually got into some American kickboxing, boxing from there into Taekwondo, competed in that, then went from there to, um, uh, eventually signed up at Team Quest as 17 years old, and that was 02. So I'd already had probably about four years of martial arts experience, if not more, by the time I was 17, actually probably quite a bit more okay. by the time I was 17. Um, and then that's when I signed up to Team Quest. And that's when my, I would say, like, before I, w- I was doing a lot of traditional martial arts. But then when I finally started training mixed martial arts was when I finally started. One, it gave me respect for my traditional martial arts a little more. But also, um, it kind of really made me respect all of martial arts as a whole lot more as well. Because okay. then I started wanting to get into... I was always into MMA, but once I started training with Randy, at the time when I went to Team Quest in O2, yeah. it was uh, Matt Linland's USA Auto Wholesale, and we went in the back of Matt Linland's USA Auto Wholesale into a garage, and the garage, at the time, we just had mats on the floor. They hadn't even put the mats on the wall yet. Um, there's a picture. So that just I, a warehouse, essentially? It was just the back of a garage. Back yeah, it was a garage. and. Nice. uh Matt Lanlands yeah. USA Auto Wholesale. You literally had, yeah. You literally had to drive into the back, like through a gated area, into where they parked the cars that they were like going to sell or work on. Oh, so, so you would park that, back was there. Was that what his business was? Like, yeah, garage? Matt. Yeah, yeah. Matt Lanland had a USA Auto Wholesale in um, in Portland, right okay. off of Stark, 171st and Stark, I believe, in okay. Gresham, Gresham, Oregon. Yeah, <clears throat> Portland, pretty much. Yeah. So how did you how did you find that gym? So I I was always into martial arts and we would go to <clears throat> Chael Sonnen would uh, throw fights the FCFF fights at the Roseland Theater and he would throw a lot of uh, amateur fights back then and I would go watch the amateur fights and they would always promote they would have little flyers like hey come to Team Quest come to Team Quest okay um so I I wanted to kind of join them but I didn't have the means really to get around or the money to train as well mm-hmm. um but then my senior year of high school uh, we all had to do a senior project. Well, I wanted to do my senior project on mixed martial arts. Okay. Like I said, I was obsessed. I was a weirdo. I was actually like... Different, especially in 2002. Yeah. 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 I was one of the only people that like in school was I would order tap out shirts. Back then, they were like... A lot of the tap out shirts were like illegal in California school districts. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. 
they were interesting shirts. They would have like guys that choked guys out and it said like you should have tapped and they were beating uh, each other up. They were cool shirts. Way cooler than they make now, obviously. <laughs> but uh so yeah, it was insane. Like the the and when you would order tap out shirts online, they would send you like VHSs and everything of uh shoot um what was it? Like shooto? Um yeah, shooto, but Anchor. also uh what was the one in um hook and shoot. Hook and shoot. Okay, hook the one in shoot. Texas. Yeah, yeah, well uh it was the Midwest. It was a lot of Midwest and then it was also um, uh, Super Brawl okay. with uh, Josh Barnett and a bunch of people. So I'd watch those uh, VHSs. Yeah. That was part of what got me interested in AMC also was ordering these VHSs and watching Josh Barnett. I was already a huge fan of Matt Hume. Um, I, was, I was one of the few people that was really into the sport when it was like, only existed on the internet so you'd have on, to go on, on the internet. fringe of society yeah. really yeah, yeah. i would the literally yeah i would literally or even late 90s yeah. i was really into it in late 90s where i'd go to download something and it would take like all night for like a 30 second video maybe mm-hmm. you know for like a 26 second video it would With take 64k connection <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, less than i think it was yeah. 56, 56 or 52 yeah. or so i can't even remember yeah. who knows but uh so um we get these flyers wanted to train at team quest and my senior year of high school I actually had, we were doing our senior project, so I called up Team Quest and spoke with Robert Folis, who was the head coach of Team Quest back then. Um, and he actually had a really big impact on my life because he was the one that actually allowed me to train at Team Quest for free while I did all of my hours because you had to do community service hours for your... This like graduation project. Thing. Yes, yeah. for your senior I project to graduate. Like, yeah, something like that too, yeah. Joel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Washington State does that a lot. I'm not sure how many other states do that, but yeah, I know... Like culminating senior project. Yeah. yeah, where you have to do a senior project that... It decides whether or not you yeah. graduate or something. I don't know. Who knows? I, I, remember, I, I did mine in like 10 minutes for mine. Yeah. So yeah I just, exactly. I just, what's, what's up? What was yours I on? think it was like how bullying affects like people's lives or something. Yeah. I just made up a whole bunch of charts and graphs. Oh, and most people done. sucked. Yeah. yeah. My boy Jeremy did one on like the causes of drunk driving because he yeah. was always drunk driving. <laughs> then, I did then, some heavy research. Yeah. This a couple years later, he ended up wrecking with a couple of our friends oh. in the car and everything too. So uh, that was... Yeah, you're just like, man, uh, maybe maybe people should pay better attention to what they're doing. While with me, I was I was super into martial arts, so I was like, I'm going to have... So I had my senior project. They had pictures of me and Randy Couture, me and Evan Tanner when he was still alive, Robert yeah. Fullis when he yeah. was still alive, all these guys, yeah. Do you still um, have those pictures? I still have a lot of them. Yeah, I put up one of the nice. ones on uh, the Randy one on my Instagram a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if you look in the background, you'll see the walls are like plywood. And that was they, that was before they'd even put the mats on the walls at Team Quest. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really crazy. But yeah, so Robert Folis let me train there for free cuz we had to do like 30 hours free of community service. Project, yes. Yeah. So he let me train like all the first 30 50 hours for free. So I trained there for a couple months for free. Um and then obviously signed up right afterwards uh and then trained there until I graduated and I wanted to move to AMC to train under Matt Hume. And I was originally going to be there for about three years. And then I was going to go to AKA in San Jose because I have friends, um, or my sister's best friend is there. One of her best friends is there coaching. And so I was going to Ted there, but uh, ended up falling in love with Matt and the system at AMC and never left. Yeah, so that and that was in 03. So then I've been at AMC literally since uh, September of 03. 
Did you have any fights or smokers while you were training it? So at Team Quest, they would make you think you were the best fighter in the world yeah. <laughs> and, uh, when you really weren't yeah. that good at fighting. Yeah. So I was for sure that by the time I got to AMC, I was going to be a pro fighter in four years. Yeah. I got to AMC and I realized I didn't know defense. Like we did a lot of, we would we would spar, we would do a lot of stuff, but we didn't really train defense and counters and just a lot of pad work probably. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so if, what was the training? If like? you yeah, you would you would hit pads. We okay. would we would drill as far as like hitting pads goes. Um, you would uh, like the wrestling practices were amazing. Obviously, being taught by yeah. Randy and Matt Lindland. Yeah, 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 Matt Lindland. Yeah. Like I think he's the Greco coach right now for our Olympic team in Colorado. So. Yeah, sounds right. So um, yeah, yeah. So it was like Maybe I was getting wrestling. amazingly <laughs> high level coaching for grab uh, for wrestling. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, Robert Foles, I thought was a really really good uh, jujitsu coach and also just fight mind in general. Yeah. Um, but what as, was his background? Right? Uh, so yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly his background, but I do know that they had come from the SBG uh, Portland. Uh, that's where him, Nate Corey, and um, Randy Couture used to train as well oh, back yeah. in the day. So uh, SBG now it's famous for Conor McGregor and Dublin, but originally the original SBD was started by Matt Thornton, I believe his name was, okay. and it was in Portland. In Portland, yeah, okay. and that was where the original Straight Blast Gym came from. And Straight Blast Gym was pretty much like mixing Jeet Kune Do, which was Bruce Lee style, yeah. with like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So it was like the next evolution to martial arts, where they're kind of combining everything. Uh, but a lot of their guys kind of had that like kind of stiff Jeet Kune Do striking yeah. style. Yeah. Nate Quarry came from there. That was why Nate, I feel like, never really like kind of loosened up with his striking. He had that real martial arts, traditional martial arts style of striking, mm-hmm. where it's I feel like a lot more stiff, a lot more straight lines, not as much like, like fluidity. Yeah, not not as much fluidity. Um, but either way, uh, it it. It was, I'm pretty sure where they had all came from originally, so I'm not sure like where Robert had learned a majority of his game, but he also, I'm sure he learned a lot from Randy and everybody, but he was also able to teach everybody because um, he would put everything together so well that he was really good at um, just being able to bring the best out of a fighter he was able to because he wouldn't be able to not necessarily just tap into your like physical talent but he would really tap into your emotions and as like a 17 18 year old kid that was going through a lot of head stuff um like most 17 year old 18 year old kids i think go through um he was such a positive influence on me Mm -hmm. he used to say things at the end of wrestling class where Everyone would be dead tired, and he would tell everyone to put a smile on their face. And then next thing you know, half the class would be laughing, and then everyone would be in a good mood. And he'd be like, "What just happened? Every one of you were dead tired. You put a smile on your face, and your body, your your body language ended up controlling your energy. And a lot of people think it's like the other way around. Your energy controls your body language, but it's like when you can really change your body language around, it helps control your energy as well." Um, and he used to just show us like little things like that, but also the way he could talk to his fighters. Like I said, I, I was for sure I was going to be pro in a couple of years, you know, like yeah. he just he, he was a real super positive guy, but also um, understood the fight game well enough to where he could break things down. Um, not like Matt does. Matt's on another level as far as breaking breaking things down and seeing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But Robert was really good about understanding what you needed to do to win that fight, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so he was really good about like kind of keeping you on track with what you needed to do 
to win that fight and to actually make sure that the like the best of you came out in that training camp mm-hmm. to make sure that's the you that showed up in that fight if that makes sense yeah okay yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah and so he he was on that level a lot and from like the time i was 17 18 years old and then uh but it was a lot like then the fighters training classes like was like sparring and guys would go really hard but it was a lot of um, like once I learned a lot of technique from AMC, I realized how sloppy we were. We would yeah. we would brawl a lot. We wouldn't really kind of look for things or put things together really well. It was almost more like a brawl to get things to the ground to be able to kind of like ground and pound somebody or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, okay. I mean, we would understand so submissions. Was that finesse? Exactly. Uh, Robert was super finesse, but okay. I would say the style of Team Quest was not. <laughs> no, it was okay. more like a Chris Lieben Ed yeah. Herman style where it okay. was kind of straightforward and we're trying to blast you and um yeah that was actually one of the things that um not made me go to team quest because i wanted to go there because i ran in everybody but i would watch chris lieben fight in the amateur circuit yeah Yeah, and chris was my favorite amateur fighter by far at the time this was like early 2000s and hayato sakurai was my favorite pro fighter and then chris was my favorite amateur fighter Hmm. yeah and then both of those guys ended up at amc within about probably about three four years after i was training there and that was like one of the signs that also made it made me realize i probably shouldn't leave the gym where my favorite fighters are are flocking to Hmm. okay so then okay so speak more about the training then so what like you realize you know defense was important like how how so so when i came to so when i came to um amc from team quest uh, if, if you would have watched me hit pads, you'd have been like, wow, this guy's an amazing striker. He's going to knock out so many people. And that's what like Chris and everybody used to tell me because I, I could hit pads well. Um, I was a really good uh, striker as far as like offense went. But then I was sparring with guys like um, Luke and a few other people that had been at AMC for a long time that weren't necessarily strikers. Yeah. So like if you would have watched me hit pads and them hit pads, you would have thought I would for sure kick this guy's ass. And then I'd get in there with them and they'd move out of the way and I would start reaching (laughs) and they would kick my front leg out and I'd never been kicked in the leg that hard. So all of a sudden when you're like, wow, leg kicks really hurt, Uh, not reaching is a big thing, understanding like, um, understanding how to defend things, how to evade things, the difference between like defensive and evasive maneuvers. Um, and then how to counter off of those things. So what would happen is I would just end up overextending a lot of the time and getting caught because I was trying to reach people. That I was I was really just trying to hit people from too far away because at Team Quest, we'd both go forward. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to mind your yeah. distance, and that's uh, a huge part of my Right, story. right. When we were both going forward and both fighting into a clinch and both fighting wrestling, um, it was kind of more just like, okay, bite down and throw one, two, three. And whoever threw a better one, two, three was going to get the better of that exchange that time. And uh, and it would literally be kind of just like rock em, sock em robots yeah, where I'd be like just, throwing a combination, not yeah. caring what they were throwing because you're trying to just maybe maybe get your head offline, but most likely just trying to hit them harder and faster. Mm. Um, which, I mean, that ended up being a lot of my fights anyways was I was just only trying to hit people harder and faster. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of the technique that I learned took me a while to be able to kind of use. To actually implement. Yeah, and that's okay. what and that's what really took me, you know. So that's why I didn't end up having my first fight at an AMC until I was 21. Okay. So I moved here when so, I was 18. So a couple, yeah. Yeah, and then years. three years, exactly. Yeah, okay. both two and a half, two right, and a half, yeah. or about two and a half years okay. um, before I had my first fight at an AMC. And that was also because when I got to AMC as well, 
Um, we really didn't have many guys uh, competing, okay. especially um, it was kind of hard to find cards to compete on. Yeah. Um, so me, Mike Wanaka, and Nick Wilson had like told Matt at like, I can't even remember, it was probably like 03, 04, we're like, yeah, we all want to fight. And then Matt's like, you guys want to fight? And Matt beat all of us up. So <laughs> and, then, uh, and, then, and then he was like, yeah, we'll see how, like, how much you guys want to come back for this. And, uh, and it was crazy because he really kicked our asses. All, all of us, he just beat us all up. And then we were trying to beat each other up too, but mostly it was just him beating us up um, when we were going through rounds. And it made me realize uh, that uh, one, one, he had a lot to teach us, but also um, that it wasn't going to be easy. You know, He was like, oh, wow, this whole fight thing, uh, I thought I was better than I was mm. type thing. But also I knew I wanted to stick with it. It wasn't like – I think a lot of times when he had beat people up like that, they ended up quitting or they just like lost their love for the sport. Because they got discouraged. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very discouraging, especially when Matt like dominates you to the point where you're like, oh my god, I suck everywhere yeah. or something like that. You know? He's so, a real master. A yeah, real yeah, master. Yeah, he's a master everywhere. But also like just getting beat up like that when you think you're good isn't necessarily good for you all the time. Cause it, but for certain people it can be. Yeah, I guess it depends on the – person how they look at that adversity exactly you know? like, yeah they, they look at it as like you said like they can look at it like oh well i guess this is too hard i guess i'll just stop or they can look at oh this is shows how far i can actually get better like, yeah or, or what's possible right so, yeah yeah, and also like, okay, why wouldn't I want to be? Why wouldn't I want to fight on that level yeah. or learn things to that level? Maybe not be at that point, but get as close to it as I possibly yes. can with yeah. my life. Yes. Um, and so yeah, so then it became more of a journey about like, well, the so the thing was was we didn't have fight cards then, or we didn't have our own fights. But then very shortly after was when like Caro signed up to the gym. Um, a lot of uh, and so all of a sudden we got a lot of people that kind of wanted to fight and then that was also around the time that Matt was doing really well with pride and so all of a sudden that's when Genesis fights started was like a little bit after that so I'd been at the gym for a couple years before we ever had because 05 I believe was the first Genesis fight and I started in 03 at AMC so it was two years before we even started having our own fights you know and then so that I got on um, the second Genesis card because the first one um, I wanted to get on, but uh, the car got filled up because yeah. we had so many freaking guys fighting. That were, that were just ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. where, where was the first Genesis? Uh, so those were at uh, the Auburn Super Mall, Auburn, and it was the right. Brawl at the Brawl Mall, was what they called them. Yeah, yeah. And they actually had really good crowds. I'm not sure what the size was. I just know the crowds. I remember were huge. the old videos. Those things like, oh yeah, wow, the crowds it's actually, were huge. It's actually a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of people, as well as um, they would get put on Comcast. Yeah, Matt had worked out a deal with Comcast. To where uh, they would get put on demand. So you would get a fight and then you would go into local sports like Comcast on demand and you could watch our fights. So that was another big thing too was you knew your fight was going to be like able to be seen by everybody on Comcast. So that was kind of nerve wracking too. Yeah, you were like ass beat on TV. Oh man, exactly. <laughs> everyone you know is going to see you. Yes, yes. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like. Yeah, you really felt nervous, man. It was because yeah. you knew that it was going to be televised. Yeah. So you were like, oh, man, everyone in the area. You, it, you always kind of just made it out to be a bigger deal than it is, right? right? You know, that's how fighting is. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, this moment in time is the biggest moment in time when, yeah. like, nobody else like, really cares. Yeah, yeah, like, how many, how many other people really care? Like, life's going to be a thousand people yeah. watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they'll forget yeah. about it next yeah. year. Yeah, 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 they'll be exactly. like, who fought again? Yeah, but nobody anyway, knows. So, yeah. so your first fight on the second Genesis card, how, yeah. so how did that, 
come about? Like, or um, so it, I mean, so I wanted to kickbox. Matt knew I wanted to kickbox, so um, he matched me up with a guy with four fights, and then said, "Well, the guy's fought. He went on the ground." So I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, here we go." <laughs> I guess I didn't have an easy start, but I always took that as Matt must have had some confidence in me to be like a decent striker if my first fight was against the guy that already had four fights. Um, and then he never really gave me any easy matchups either. There was a couple times where I had fights where I looked at the guy and I was like, I should knock this guy out. But that ended up making me fight worse because then instead of actually trying to set things up, I was like, if I hit this guy really hard, he should get knocked out. And so I would just try to hit people really hard. But uh, the first fight um, was crazy because the bell rang and I was so used to kind of moving around and like yeah. trying to find you're, you're trying to look good you want to look like a professional yeah so you want to move well and you want to throw well and you want to try to counter well but no this guy, people don't fight like that. no this guy went straight forward and he went one two one two one two one two which was almost like half of a three four because i don't think his one twos were straight so it was just like haymaker 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 as he was walking forward and I was like, oh shit, like I, I cover I remember covering up and stepping out and throwing hard low kicks. So I was trying to just cover and throw hard low kicks. Was this and then, their shin? Uh no, these ones we did have shin pads, uh, shin pads okay. yeah. Until my I think my third fight was when I finally didn't have to wear them anymore. Okay. Um but and then I can't even remember. But uh so yeah, that fight we did have shin pads, but I was just throwing low kicks, like, low kicks, low kicks, and then uh, one, and then I I stepped out and instead of throwing a low ten, I threw an overhand right, okay. and I floored him, nice, and I dropped the guy onto his face. So when he went onto his face, I freaked out like the fight was over. Started flexing, started screaming, oh <laughs> yeah, going into, going into like a total idiot mode. And then, um, and then, also like in amateur fights, so in professional fights, people are like, "Oh, talk about like they might talk bad about a ten count." But usually, in professional fights, there's going to be somebody on the side of the ring that, as soon as that person drops, that person starts counting, and then the referee actually looks to that person and starts counting from where that person's been counting. A lot of people, I mean, I just heard Joe Rogan talking about how the ref starts at one, and the ref doesn't start at one. If he's a good ref, he's going to look to the side on the ring, see the person counting, because that's literally a person's job. They'll be counting, and then person he looks to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that was a nice thing, too, about working with Matt um, on Genesis Fights, was that if we were fighting on the cards, we would help with the production of the card. And you that. learned yeah. how... You know how the ring cards or how the scorecards get passed to the announcer. You learn so many things. You learn how the show should be run on a high level. Because um, Matt, oh, even though it was amateur cards, we ran our shows like as yeah. if it was a super professional show. From getting the people warming up to making sure they come out at the right time to making sure uh, that the actual like card ran smoothly as far as fight to fight to fight, as well as having people, the doctors ringside, having more than one doctor, because if the doctor has to leave ringside, now you can't have the next fight. So if a doctor has to go backstage to check somebody, um, you can't have that next fight start because you need the ringside physician. So there were so many things that um, I learned about how to run a good card, but also one of the things that we didn't do, unfortunately, was have a guy counting. So when I dropped the guy, and then spent about seven seconds to ten seconds freaking out over the top of him. And then Joe finally, it was, I can't remember if it was Joe DeRobe or who it was, but it was some guy, by the time he got me calmed down and into a neutral corner, I had probably wasted like eight seconds, you know, <laughs> yeah, seven, eight yeah. seconds. So then the guy did end up getting up, and I had a huge adrenaline dump. 
And then I ended up winning the next round too. So I won the first and second. And then the third round, I was exhausted. So I just remember thinking, all I have to do is cover up and he can't knock me out. So he was trying to beat me all around the ring and I was just covering up and getting hit into the ropes. But I would just cover up. Occasionally, I'd throw back, throw a hard low kick, throw single shots, and ended up winning a decision pretty clearly because I'd won the first two as well as dropped him in the first. Um, but because it's interesting people's perspective on the fight because because that guy had done so well in the third round, a lot of people were like, oh, that watched the fight. were like, oh, that guy kind of kicked your ass. And I was like, what the hell? Like, know how to score a fight. I won the first two and I dropped him in the first. Therefore, I won three rounds in a, in a three-round fight. There's no way I could have lost. But uh, perception's a funny thing. And I dealt with that a lot in amateur fights where guys would come at you so hard in the third round after you kicked their ass the first two that sometimes the crowd would be like, boo. And once one person, and once one person boos in a Just drunk crowd. Bias. Oh, my yeah. God. Especially if, like, you're fighting and his girlfriend is there. And his girlfriend is going, boo. All of a sudden, several people around will boo with her for some reason. Guys like to follow girls. It's just that girls. mob mentality. Yeah, well, yeah. mob mentality and drunk people are yeah. stupid. And, and they'll scream with girls and stuff. Girl says boo. And they're like, she's cute, boo. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, so I, I had some of that type of stuff happen too, which was fun. But anyway, I, I, I didn't um, ever really lose until I had fought DJ. And then when DJ and I fought, it was supposed to be a kickboxing match for me. And he was supposed to have an MMA fight. But uh, nobody would fight us. Everyone, Our fights ended up backing out like the week before or the something. Before, huh? And him yeah. and I had both sold a lot of tickets yeah. to the show. So was him and I Genesis ended up... Uh, this was... At, yeah, it was, it was still at the Brawl at the Mall. Yeah, okay. it was uh, probably fourth or fifth brawl at the mall who okay. knows i can't remember so was this your third kickboxing fight yeah so, were so you, i had two and you you were on the north end you were at, at yeah amc home, north amc yeah. north and he was the amc south, south. Okay. yeah <laughs> north, north south, south. Yeah. we used yes. to do that all the time yeah that was half of the amc <laughs> he, cards he, dj always tells me about that shit so yeah funny. yeah so funny. and that was half of the cards back then was matt knew so like and there were so many independent gyms and stuff and you yeah. can see most cards where guys would match all their guys up versus independence. Well, Matt didn't like to do that. Matt wanted us to become like the highest level martial artists or fighters. So he would have us fight each other. So there was AMC North and AMC, AMC North that was in um, Kirkland and AMC South that was in Pacific outside of Tacoma. And then we ended up having, oh, there was for a short period of time, there was a third AMC that was at the uh, Jewish Community Center in Mercer Island. In Mercer Island. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there used to be a third AMC at, at the JCC. AMC at JCC on Mercer Island. How about that? But anyways... Uh, Any killers come out of there? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Killer Yamakas. Yeah, no. I, I, I can't remember. Um, I'm sure whoever did come out of there is probably like, I came out of there. Da, da, da. So I'm sure people did, but... When you've been at the Kirkland gym for over 15 years, it all kind of blends together. Yeah. It's hard to remember who was where. Right. Um, when you've been anywhere for 15 years, you're like, wait, what? Was that so, yesterday? Yeah. Somebody's like, that was six months ago. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it all kind of like all kind of blends into one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so was so was this your, when you fought DJ, was this your third kickboxing? Third, yeah, fight? third. Well, it was okay. supposed to be a kickboxing, and then it ended up being shoot boxing, shoot boxing which is kickboxing okay. with takedowns. And DJ's a better wrestler than me. I kept hitting single legs. Um, I'd also gotten a car accident like two days before. the. Well, actually, so 
we get excuses, excuses. Well, I had a torn bicep. I did have a torn bicep during that fight that I yeah. ended up having to rehab for about six months after Damn. that. Yeah, Holy so shit. DJ owes you his career. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. No, not at all. No, I would have lost anyways because he was hitting single legs that were so damn low that it might not have mattered. But what was funny was every time we'd get into a clinch. I knew that I had like no strength in my right arm. So every time he'd get in a clinch and he would just be slowly working his way down to my right leg. And that time it was Joe DeRobio was our ref. And I knew Joe. So every time we would clinch and in shoot boxing, you're allowed to clinch. You're supposed to fight from clinches. Well, we'd clinch and I'd be like, break us up. Joe, break us up. Joe, break us up. Every Oh, dude, it's the most I've ever talked to a, 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 ref. a ref. I've never talked to a ref so much in my entire life. But every time he would we clinch, I'd be like, Joe, break us up. Break us up, Joe. Break us up. And then DJ would take me down and be like, damn it, Joe. Like, blame it on Joe. Yeah. Um, it was funny. How, how many fights had DJ had before? Uh, he had only had three or four. Only also. three or four? Yeah, but he, but he was already beating people up so bad that at, like, one of the fights, um, they so... The other thing is, you our fights were recorded, so when we would go in there, sometimes by the third, fourth Genesis fight, they would play Genesis oh, fights play on the, the TV. Actually, I think you told. I think so. No, actually, it wasn't you that told me. I think Bob Jones was here, <laughs> and he was telling. He was telling. Told me to start. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So it's funny. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, it's probably been told on your podcast before. Yeah. But early, one of the early Genesis fights. Yeah. A guy, we're all in. We would show up early for the fighter sh- uh, meetings and uh, for your corner, everything to get wrapped up. Everyone shows up early. Everybody's, we're already matched up. This guy fucking keeps seeing DJ whooping people's asses on TV. And then everyone's like, oh, you're fighting DJ? Good luck. <laughs> this is Da-da-da. what you're getting into. <laughs> and, and this dude, I'm pretty sure he was an independent also. And so the guy just ended up going to his car and not coming back out for the fight. Yeah. Yep. And so so that happened before too where literally the day of the fight, people would be like, I don't want to fight anymore. And they would leave the arena and sit in their car. Yeah. So that type of stuff happened. Um, yeah. But so DJ probably should have had at least one more fight by the time we fight because that had happened before. Yeah. But that happened to a lot of us. Like I said, I always tell people like Mike Wanaka and I – had more people pull out of fights against us than we actually had fights. Um, him and I had both beat decent people from uh, either uh, the two of the decent gyms that are in the area. Um, and so when you beat the people up from decent gyms in the area, then it's harder and harder to get fights. So it was really hard for Mike Wanaka and I to get matchups kickboxing. Like Mike ended up having to fight a bunch of pro MMA guys. That's what I had to do towards the end too. Uh, was we had to look for people that were like pro MMA but wanted to do like a high level amateur kickboxing fight to not count on their record. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when Mike beat up like Matt Kovacs. Um, Yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah. So we had to end up getting to a point in our our amateur careers where it was really hard for us to get matchups. And I, like I said, I I had more people back out of fights than I actually had fights. Um, But yeah, so... Had first kickboxing match, won a decision. Next kickboxing match, won a decision. Third kickboxing match, turned into a shootboxing match, lost to DJ. Yeah, um, some, sh- some yeah, scrub. Exactly. Demetrius Johnson. And then, <laughs> well, yeah. and then we ended up bringing the fights back to um, shortly after that. I don't, I can't remember if I fought at Mall again, but then we ended up bringing them back to AMC. In Kirkland. Yeah, in Kirkland. Yeah. And we started having... We, so we still did the Genesis fights, but we did a couple in Kirkland. And then we did them... Um, I fought at Shoreline Community College. We had Bellevue fights. Yeah, we, yeah so yeah, Bellevue Community College. Yeah, Bellevue yeah. Community College. Yeah, um, 
as well as I fought on one of the uh, Snoqualmie cards as well. Okay. Yeah, so I had had um, quite a few kickboxing fights. Uh, we did a bunch of smoke. We do smokers too. Back in the day, we'd even do some smokers at like uh, they throw smokers at RSU Ring Sports United, oh, okay. which we really don't do too much with them anymore. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I'd done smokers, kickboxing, uh, Muay Thai, um, shoot boxing, and boxing, and then never ended up competing in MMA though. Mm-hmm. But I mean, do you regret that? No, I just never stayed healthy enough. I mean, I w- like I have friends that talk shit about it because they think I should have done it and like kind of probably, you know, under- for them to say, well, yeah, but also like they saw where I was at and how much time I put into it. Yeah. And so I think they were more disappointed than I was that I put so much time into it and then never competed because mm-hmm. they thought, I think a lot of them thought I would have messed people up, you know, oh, especially sure. hitting people with four ounce gloves yeah, is a whole other story. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, you guys know I don't work on my ground game too often, but I do know ground, you know? I know if, especially being under Matt as long as I have, and, um, we learned a lot of, th- I learned a lot of things really, really well. Um, so just cause I don't grapple, half the time I just use that as an excuse to not teach the class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, um, imagine if you were gonna get ready for an MMA fight, like, all right, this is it, I'm doing it. And then you put in six months or three months, whatever it is, getting ready for that fight, your ground game is gonna fucking explode. Oh, for you know? sure. Well You're that's the awesome ready. thing. That's but, awesome. It's also about knowledge. It's not like you said it's like you don't know. Like mm-hmm. anything, anything about grappling. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a difference because there's actual people out there that fight amateur to have no idea what grappling is. Right. Yeah. What I mean, and I started freestyle wrestling when I was in fourth, fifth grade. So it's not like I don't know freestyle wrestling. It's not like I don't know. And then, I mean, where I did Taekwondo, we technically did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But, of course, they gave it a Korean name because they called it Hoshin Sul or nobody knows what that means. Unless you're Korean. Yeah. even the Korean guys. Any Koreans. Yeah. We have Korean. Let us know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so they called it like Hoshin Sul or something like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's 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 delicious. Yeah. (laughs) It's the best. It was the best. But, uh. So we did that, but literally my coach back then, it was a guy named Robert Maves. I think that was his name, Robert Maves. And he would go to uh, Brazil and go train in Brazil and like learn stuff and then come back and teach us like BJJ. And this was in the late 90s, you know? So we were actually learning. That's actually what really made me get into fighting was I was watching um, guys like Frank Shamrock and Matt Hume. And I was always into like comics and anime and stuff and superheroes and ninjas and fighting. And then all of a sudden I was watching Matt and Frank Shamrock and they literally looked like superheroes. I was like, what the hell? These guys look like real life superheroes. But what they were doing was everything I was doing in class, like sh- like punches to kicks, to a takedown, to a rear naked choke, to a, oh, I'm on my back, I'm gonna hit this arm bar, to a triangle. And they were doing everything I was learning, but they were doing it at a high level. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this. And, and so I was probably about like 15 years old watching either one of the blockbuster UFC DVDs or something. Oh, or, blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, or VHSs probably back then. Um, and that's what's even funnier too is that like when I was a fan back then, I was cheering for Vitor Belfort over Randy Couture when Randy lived in Portland and I was like right by Portland, you know? So it was like if I would have paid a little better attention, I probably should have cheered for the American that was in my backyard that ended up becoming like one of my heroes, right? 
But at the same time, like, I was such a Vitor Belfort fan back then. Everybody was, you know, because he was knocking everybody out. Um, but anyway, so I watched guys like Frank Shamrock, Vitor, Matt Hume. Matt never fought in UFC, but I would still catch his fights on Battlecade and other things because he looked like a superhero. And I was like, dude, these guys are insanely, like, muscular, bodied up, looking like bodybuilders, but they're beating people up or looking like a superhero, but they're beating people up like guys in comic books or something, you know? And they were doing everything that I learned, but at the highest level. So I'm watching Frank Shamrock, you know, sweep people off his back and hit arm bars, or I'd watch his Super Brawl fights with John Lober and all these other things, and I was just like, oh my God, dude, I just fell in love with it. I was like, what the heck? Uh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and then I got sidetracked because like all kids get into bad things or whatever. So I got sidetracked from martial arts for a while. But um, I think in my heart, I always knew I was like, man, I don't ever want to grow up. I want to do martial arts my entire life. <laughs> that's how I looked at it. it was like, Good I'm gonna, decision. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to stay a kid and do martial arts. And that's yeah. why that's why like it's funny. From people, three guys that teach yeah. martial arts. Yeah, yeah. Three guys yeah. that teach martial arts. And, Not biased at all. Yeah. <laughs> But also, like, it's funny to me because I'll see people that, you know, I haven't seen in, like, 15 years and they're like, man, you look the same. You still look like a kid or you look like a vampire. And I'm like, I feel like it's because I didn't grow up. Like, all I, I still, yeah. dude, when Matt throws me around, if Matt hits a fireman's carry on me, I'm going to giggle like I'm six years old, bro. I giggle like my nieces when I throw my nieces around. When, like, people throw me like that around at the gym, dude, I feel like I'm 10 years old again. I'm like, it's almost fun getting beat up, dude. It's weird. Because <laughs> as long as it doesn't hurt too bad. But, I mean, sometimes when you're just getting, like, tossed around or something, I'm like, it's funny to me. I feel like a little kid again or something. It's weird. Um, but that's how I feel with martial arts. It just, like, keeps me young. Dude, and I was watching Matt today saying to Patrolo, yeah. Matt's in his 50s, and he's just... His hips are so good. He can throw kicks so well. His movement was beautiful. And then he was even making jokes about like, I said his stand-up looks like breakdancing. He says his stand-up is popping, locking, and his ground game is breakdancing. You know? <laughs> and this is from a dude in his 50s. And I'm just like, oh my God, like we're never growing up, bro. But also we're like, we're able because he's like that I think that's how I think I'm gonna be I think when I'm 50 I'm gonna be beating people up yeah. I'm gonna be better than I am now when I'm 50 oh for sure you know? we're gonna have to be man yeah. we're gonna have to be yeah like, we as can't long as we stop. stick with it yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not stopping oh, we're, we're kind of yeah, yeah, stuck sure. on this pathway yeah. it's like what we're gonna get off now yeah right yeah yeah, yeah that would be um, the last life choice I'm gonna make is quitting martial arts <laughs> yeah literally the last life decision I'll make is quit martial arts. But yes, and that, um, so we went from the uh, brawl at the mall to then we ended up doing Genesis at AMC. Then we did Genesis cards all over the place. And then Matt got really busy again with one, he had kids. And then he got busy with one championship and things like that. So I feel like it's somewhat unfortunate that we don't do Genesis cards anymore because I think our fighters would benefit from that greatly because that was when our gym I felt like came up a lot was when we had you know nine ten guys trained for a fight on the same card and that's when Karos was coming up and DJ was coming up and all the other guys Brent was coming up that was all the guys that like Matt actually Scotty was coming up the people that Matt actually turned pro from amateur which is so few um, because of his theory that you're not a professional unless you're a real professional. Yeah. Everyone else wants to be a professional and make $500 for three months worth of work. 
um, if that's your profession, you literally are going to be homeless and and uh, and have no food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, having so, a high standard. For sure. Yeah, but I, I know what you're talking about. Where there's kind of uh, an energy in the gym. You know, everyone's like amped up a little. They're they're taking their yeah. martial arts to the next level. Yeah, focuses up the camaraderie. Is, yeah. Something like you, you'll never have anywhere else. Right. Well, and like you were saying too, so say if I did go, oh, I'm going to have an MMA fight in six months, you're, I would focus so much on ground and, and everything I needed to that your game improves to this whole nother level when you're training for fights that I think that guys that are just training don't really ever get yeah, to. Yeah, there, there, there's a different kind of pressure for sure when you have to, when it's you have to go into like a pressure filled situation where oh you have to do well like from here because you have that it's almost like a deadline yeah. kind of thing whereas you know if you've never had if you've never had an assignment like oh then you can just I'll get to it off. tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like yeah. it's that procrastination thing well, I like to say there's yeah. knowledge and yeah. then there's application of knowledge like applied knowledge yeah, yeah. and yeah. and you see people that there's go like oh okay I yeah. know this mm-hmm. And then the people that can apply what yeah. they know. And people that apply what they know is what happens when you train for a fight. Yeah. You don't just take your knowledge. You really have to apply your knowledge. Yeah. And like I remember like Pete DeYoung and a few other people that like Pete was like decent before his first fight. By the time Pete had his first fight, Pete was good. Yeah. It was like, whoa, in just this few month period of time, Pete went from being like decent to being good. And I was like, oh my God, man, like... Pete got good in such a short amount of time when he finally dedicated himself to a fight. So it was like he might have trained for like X amount of time before he decided to fight. And in the amount of time between like he decided to fight to his fight, he got probably two or three times better than he did that whole time he didn't know if he was going to fight. So sometimes when people just sign up for a fight and I've been at AMC for you know over 15 years, almost 16. In October will be 16 years. September will be 16 years. So it's like... I've seen so many people that were good, but then when they wanted to fight, became good like on a whole nother level to the point where I was like, man, before you look good hitting pads, now you look good hitting me in the face, you know? <laughs> so and there's a huge difference, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I learned too. Like I said, when I came from Team Quest, I, I like to say it's like, I mean, I, I'm not trying to talk bad about Ronda Rousey, but people, everyone, when they were like, oh my God, she's so good. She's this the highest level boxer. But I always thought like <laughs> the people that she was hitting stood in front of her. Yeah. And then as soon as somebody moved, all of a sudden her hips weren't underneath her anymore. And she started trying to punch from her chest and like doing these like short arm things. And um, when people actually understand how to fight from your hips, they understand distance. Um, they understand how to apply things when people aren't just standing in front of you it's a whole nother thing you know when people know how to like move and counter and evade and counter it takes fighting to a whole nother level yeah Yeah, dj even said it too he's like yeah she's great i mean uh, props to her whatever but i've never seen her throw a kick oh shit Yeah, yeah no one no one's ever seen anything else besides maybe some basic boxing uh, uh, right, uh, hip basic sweep boxing. And an yeah. That's yeah. it. That's all yeah. we've ever seen. Well, basic boxing and a, and a lot of the and a lot of the boxing, truthfully, was like I like to say, there's difference between boxing and choreographed fitness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of what she was doing, when people would be like, "Man, look how good she is on the pads. Look how good she is here and here." Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmund a lot of times wouldn't move. 
he just stand right in front of her. Da, da, da. His feet are planted. Yeah. If I plant my feet and I have somebody move around me, they're going to look real nice. Once I start moving backwards, not that I'm going to take away the target, like I'm going to run away from them because people mis- people misunderstand that. Like moving backwards as they're running away to where now the person does have to kind of chase them, right? Um, but at the same time, like understanding that the person you're punching is probably not going to just stand right in front of you. And if they are, they suck. Yeah. You know, that was something that else that Matt like really kind of instilled in us was that just because you won doesn't mean you're good. No. <laughs> and it was like, you could win, but if the guy sucked and you beat him at something he sucked at, that doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> no, yeah. but, no, but I think that's a, that's a great point. It's like not about, because it's, it's not just about winning. It's uh, for Matt, it's about being a good martial artist. Yeah. Like from there. And and I think, you know, kind of on that on that same token, like you have to challenge yourself. And that's what and that's what the good thing is about having good training partners, because then those are people that make you become better. Because if you don't have those people that actually challenge you, like, you know, then you end up getting stagnant. Like, you know, like Ronda Rousey, like how who are her sparring partners? Mm-hmm. You know, like how well were the training partners or how well was her training? Mm-hmm. Probably not that good. I mean, it was OK, good enough to get her to like championship level. But then you see like the game way past her like yeah you know past her yeah so it's like yeah just shows if you're not if you're not like making getting constantly getting better then you're you're lacking behind right and and that's the thing is too is like they might have been like oh her sparring partners were good or were good at this or that but like good is subjective to so many people and when you're like what is good yes what is good right and so when I we used to watch UFC and I was young, I figured anybody in the UFC was good because <laughs> they were in the UFC. Yeah. And then you watch a few fights with Matt and he's like, he breaks yeah. things down yeah, to a point where you start to look at technique instead of just a win or a loss and you start to actually pay attention to like fundamentals and, and things that actually matter in martial arts when you're at the highest level and you realize... How many of these guys were never going to make it to a high level because they never actually took the time to learn these like things that are fundamental to fighting, mm-hmm. fundamental to martial arts in general, right? Yeah. And because I can become a pro fighter but just be good at grappling mm-hmm. or just be good at striking and become a pro fighter, uh, there would be like this whole thing of, oh, well, he's really good. And then it was like... But good is subjective. Like yeah, yeah, this guy literally has no idea what to do when a guy goes knee on belly. This guy has no idea what to do when somebody's in his guard, things like that. And it's like, um, yeah, some people would be like, oh man, this guy's so good, this guy's so good. And then Matt would watch and be like, this guy sucks. And not only would he say the guy sucks, but he would be confident that a lot of the guys out of AMC would beat this guy because we would actually use, we wouldn't fight them where they were good. Oh, this guy's got a hard right hand. Cool. Circle so right. Yeah. So circle what? fucking right. <laughs> yeah. What is he gonna do when I circle fucking right? You know, he's gonna now he's gonna have to chase me and put himself in that better position. But if I have a complete game, none of that shit's gonna matter. You know. Um, I, I remember after one practice, Matt like circles all up and he's like, "I want all you guys to watch these fights tonight uh, at, with a, a critical mind." See what the guys are doing. Look, uh, you know, judge them, critique them. What would you do differently? Like, just ask yourself a bunch of questions. And ev- ever since then, I can 
it's not as fun to watch fights anymore. No. It really isn't. It's very, yeah, very you see so much. Yeah, you see so many mistakes. But just, right. but just imagine how painful it is to watch a fight if you're mad. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because like you, you, we, we, we're there, we're there when when we see him like watch pay per views. He's like garbage, yeah. garbage, yeah, garbage. Yeah. But it's like yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where and he's seen yeah. garbage a million times. So yeah. he's just like, I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. 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 But also, like, it, on the other end of the spectrum, though, it's funny because, like, um, I really, like, really cheer for knockouts anymore because I'm also thinking about somebody's health. Yes. You know? Me too. Yes. So it's like, I, I've gotten well, to the point you know where it's, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's has to hurt right now. Yeah. So, well, and so it's, it's interesting because it's like, I love martial arts so much, but yet I don't like to see somebody get knocked out. And I also don't like to see a bad fight. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, it's, what's now, that, what's yeah, that so, so, yeah, so I'm like, oh wow, now I don't like, I love martial arts, but 95% of fights disgust me. Yeah. Well, I think that's because a lot of them are so one sided. Especially, at least a lot of the kickboxing matches I've watched lately, it's just a beatdown for either three rounds or two rounds, however long it takes to get that guy out of the ring and knocked out. And it's just like, there's no coming back most times. Yeah. Once you've been beat so badly in the first or second round, it's just more of the same. And it's not fun to watch. It's hard to watch as yeah. as, a, uh, as like somebody that actually cares about life now, mm-hmm. you know? When, <laughs> when you're always young and a teenager, you're like, knockouts. I'm invincible. Yeah. Well, not only do you think you're invincible, but also like you cheer for like other people getting knocked out to this like... Well, you think it's like the movies where mm-hmm. oh, people get knocked out all the time. Yeah, and then they're going to be like, fine. You don't understand the actual effects of that. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and my thing is now is like, okay... And I, don't get me wrong, it's not like I never cheer for knockouts because sometimes they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like, oh, that came out of nowhere. And blah, 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 you know, like, yeah. um, Did you see that PFL knockout from last night? Uh, somebody sent me the highlight, but I don't think I watched it. It was, it was a 10-second uh, just just flying knee. Or not even flying Oh, yeah, knee. it was, yeah. yeah. It was a 10-second he, he hit him with like the flying knee and then it was yeah. a right hand. or yeah. I can't remember I think, what I he think, Yeah, I think he was out like, pretty much from yeah. there. Yeah. Anyway, well see people get knocked out and then yeah it's just harder to watch so sometimes it's like you're watching fights and and you're like oh man if it's a good fight you're entertained but if it's back and forth it's more even and 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 quality uh technique Mm -hmm. if the technique is quality and they're um really well matched and that's why a lot of times though you'll know the match before it's even happened you'll be like oh okay this is what should be a good fight. Yeah. And then occasionally people surprise you and have good fights also, you know? But usually you can see it ahead of time. And that was one of the things that was funny because, like, you know, I was at Team Quest in 02, 03, and then I moved here in 03, and I've been here for so long that, like, it even got to the point where it was just, like, even back then you kind of knew the good fights, but I just had a different mentality of it where I thought a lot of people, I thought more people were good. But you would still know when the good fights were coming, you know what I'm saying? And it's still a very similar thing where you usually know when the good fights are coming. Occasionally, you'll get a Francis Ngannou, uh, Derek Lewis, so. mm-hmm. <laughs> You mean the best fight ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, that, like, I, I mean, I still to this day, if I saw that on paper, would be like, man, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, that happened and it wasn't awesome. <laughs> so sometimes you just actually don't know. But at the same time, it's not like... It's not like Derek is high level technique either, you know. Or, but that that's just heavyweight. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like how, how much high level technique is? There? Yeah, and also you know it's part of why also heavyweight can be so entertaining because you're like, oh my god, yeah, that it's worked. A roll of the dice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, that yeah. worked. Yeah, because you know where you take you know 
kindergarten like knowledge. Yeah. And it's like, yep, that works. <laughs> and apply it to a three hundred yeah. pound man. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, it's back in the schoolyard yeah. days. I yeah. What, what what can you do, Derek? Well, I can hit it real hard. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> but back uh, back to one thing I was saying. Uh, I I um, can't keep track of what I'm talking about. Like everything I say, I always venture off in other conversations. Mm-hmm. But either way, that's just who I am. But uh, what I was talking about was when I was saying that I I kind of wish that we still had. Um, oh, a card, fight, fight a card, card that yeah. our gym was putting on because of the one, the camaraderie that it gave everybody. Everyone's training for a fight, but also just the I saw it bring the gym up to a higher level because everyone was um, training together for these certain matches. And like I said, when you're training, you have to apply your knowledge. And when everyone in the gym is trying to apply their knowledge, man, it became a really high level thing. It was it was awesome. Um, yeah, and not to say that like. It's it, we don't have people working hard anymore, but it's just when you had thirteen people working hard at the same time, it was a little you know there was more accountability. I felt like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The it's not it's not that big of a of a fight team anymore, really. No, yeah. no. It's a lot, but but you know, but quality martial artists. Yeah, you know, quality people, quality people, attitudes. Yes, are, yeah, very quality yeah, people. Um, dude, and that's the thing too is like. Uh, you hear that quote where it's like, "Oh, you don't want to meet your idols because uh, whatever they're like, you'll be disappointed." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, maybe if your idols are movie stars and and rock stars or something, and you meet him and he throws his jock strap on you and walks off, right? Yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. But it's like, like Matt Hume was my hero, one of my heroes growing up. Randy Couture was one of my heroes growing up. I met both those guys. I was not disappointed. I mean, like I loved Randy. I love Matt. Um, I still love Matt to his days. Like a father figure to me in a way and it's like that um doesn't happen if they're not uh that good a person so meeting your idols when you have your idol set as like legit people based off character instead of what they did was cool Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like now it's like you know dj's my peer and i was even training at amc before dj but yeah dj's one of my heroes like i look at dj like not just in fighting but as a man because I, I could, like, his fight career is amazing, but when I see him, like, how he raises his kids and how loyal he is to his wife and everything, you're just like, and Matt, Matt, Same thing, yeah. uh, you know, has a beautiful family, um, and just, like, it's like the loyalty to your family makes you, or, or it doesn't, they're great men, and they're also, like, super loyal to their family. It just comes together as, like, one thing, but it makes it so you're like, okay, these are my idols, these are my heroes, not just for what they've done in whatever respective area that I thought was cool, but also in life. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, if I want to be a dad, I want to be a dad like Matt or DJ. If I want to be a father or, like, if I want to be a husband, I want to be a husband like Matt or DJ, you know? So it's like... They, they put it into perspective, you know? And, like, recently I met Chris Duffin, and, like, I, I Chris Duffin was one of my, like, powerlifting idols, and I wasn't disappointed when I met Chris either. Chris is a great guy. He's fucking amazing, you know? And, like, I'm hoping that I'm, I have, like, relations with that gym for a long time. Um, and and I, I feel like I will. I don't see why I won't, because they're also they're built around quality people, really good people. Um, and it's... It's just funny to me how you hear that. Oh, don't meet your idols because they'll disappoint you. Man, get better idols. Yeah, get better, yeah. yeah. Get better fucking idols. I was going to ask you about that. How did that seminar go? 
Which one? Uh, the the FRC. FRC. FRC, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, like I said, Patrola, I really liked the knowledge that they teach. Um, they taught it in a class, though, where it's uh, they fit a lot of people at that gym in Vigor, in uh, Vigor Ground. It's a big gym. Luca's got a really nice gym in Renton. Uh, but it, it was almost kind of to the point where when you have that many people and you only have three coaches, you're teaching stuff that's really highly technical to a lot of people that are really smart, but at the same time, it, it's hard It's hard to get. So I really, really loved the course. I felt like they possibly could have taught it with either maybe brought one or two more coaches in or didn't have so many people. Like, And that's the thing, like, uh, you know, Joel Jameson is also like somebody, like uh, my mentor for um, personal training, for conditioning, one of the top guys in the nation for heart rate variability, conditioning, training in general, if not in the world, one of the top guys in the world. I mean, he's in Beijing right now Jeez. working with over 300 high-level coaches because what he knows is what, Everyone as a high-level coach should know for conditioning, right? Um, energy systems, everything. And like when I do Joel's courses um, or even when Joel wants to do a seminar, like right now, like I said, he's talking to all these coaches, but that's something that China set up. If Joel's setting up his courses, he's probably not – He's pro, I think he wants to limit it to around like 30 coaches or something because he doesn't want to have – but too many people to the point where one it's it becomes a little less personable but also uh, did you really get that knowledge right you know so misunderstandings yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of misunderstandings that, that and i feel like gold standard and with, with frc yeah exactly and with frc functional and conditioning it's something that you really need to be on point with it's not like if i'm gonna have you do uh, so it's about like um, a lot of controlled articular rotations, which is just moving your joint through its full range of motion practically. And, um, and when you're taking people through that, the littlest changes can make a huge difference. Like if, if I'm moving my shoulder, if I move my left scapula to bring up my right shoulder, if I'm flexing at my, uh, your TL junction where your thoracic meets your lumbar and you move there to move your chin down or something, right? Like all these little things can happen. So it's it's something that um, I'm going to have to, uh, like I was saying to Patrolo, I'm going to have to be, work on it for a long time before I'll want to put that thing next to my name. Because I don't want to just take a course and then be like, oh, cool, I know a gist of this subject, so I'm going to call myself a mobility specialist or I'm going to uh, call myself an expert in this area, right? Um I consider myself an expert with boxing because if somebody asks me a question, I'm going to know the answer. I'm not going to have to look the answer up or have to consult 17 other people. I might consult a couple high-level coaches um, on on some things with boxing, but it's I'm going to answer with confidence before I do that. And then if I consult somebody, I might come up with multiple answers but i'm not going to change my answer i'm not going to be like oh that was wrong da, da, da. like for example i like to say like i i would probably know like i've been doing this long enough to i would i would know probably how freddie would teach something i would know how uh, teddy atlas would teach something i would know how roger mayweather would teach something um or how, what their answer would be for you in that scenario not that i've worked with those guys but i've seen enough of their stuff they put enough stuff out there i've watched their fighters for so long um, and I've competed myself in these sports. I've had highest level coaches go through things with me to where I understand things to where I'm so confident in what I'm telling you that that's where I want to be. If I call myself like um, a BioForce certified coach, I want to be 
not to Joel's level, but almost to Joel's level to where I'm going to confidently answer these questions and not have to look them up. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, like I still need to look things up when it comes to conditioning, like, which is part of why I like, like I probably should have wrote Pacholo's program three weeks ago, but I'm still like not a hundred percent confident like I am with my boxing skills. So it's kind of like, I need to apply more with so I can actually, knowledge. Yeah. yeah, well I need to, I need to start applying myself more to force myself to, to answer these questions. Cause a lot of times it's just a question that you're not sure you have the answer to. And you want to, as a coach, make sure you have the right answer and yeah. confidently make sure you have the right answer, you know? So either way, so I love the functional range conditioning, but it was really hard and it's something that I'm going to have to work on for a long time before I want to actually call myself a specialist in it, you know? And so a lot of people that took the course probably already threw that thing next to their name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm curious to Maybe see... Maybe a few more seminars. Well, <laughs> not even more seminars, but just, just applying, applying yeah. the knowledge because yeah. uh, they give you a really good like base to work with of okay if this is the problem then we go through these set things but i'm gonna have to look those up and be like hey what were those set things and then until i'm just comfortable to tell it's in my database in my brain or at least the majority of it is then i'll then i'll be confident with it you know and so like same with like uh, kabuki you know so i worked with joel jameson for like bioforce certified conditioning so i'm trying to learn conditioning at the highest level I work with Kabuki Strength Lab because they're one of the best powerlifting coaching teams in the nation or the world. Um, so I want to learn strength training at the highest level. And then I wanted to work with FRC because I felt like they were on the highest level of mobility training. Um, and so it's like I, I want to learn all those things at the highest level. But before I'm going to say I'm certified in those areas or call myself a coach in that area, I want to make sure that I don't need to – look up 17 things to write you a program. I want to be able to write you a program. And then when we want to refine it, then I can look some things up here and there, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just don't want to... makes perfect sense. Yeah, I don't want to say that I'm an expert in a field I'm not an expert in. Right. When that is what... You don't want to be what, an Well, that's what everyone <laughs> in... This, that's yeah. what everyone in, in fitness and martial arts does. So Pose, many people... Yes. Well, I mean, dude... Going to 24-hour fitness, tell me how many trainers are overweight. Or at not, least half of them. Not only that, how many how many of those trainers at 24-hour fitness or LA Fitness will coach somebody through a pads class, of boxing pads class? Dude, you're not a boxing coach. Dude, you, you don't even know how to throw a correct jab. A and a correct jab is going to take a long time to learn to throw. So if you're going to try to teach somebody to throw that correct jab, you better know how to throw a correct jab. Um, and, and so it's just like, like especially having Instagram now, um, I'm seeing all these people. In, this guy doesn't even kick, dude. Well, first of all, yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had people flame me on Instagram. I've had people flame me on Instagram because of some things I've said as well. But it is what, yeah, yeah. I got told that I don't kick. I got told that. Um, either way, I've gotten told lots of stuff. When, when, believe me, I know how to kick. I just don't post very many videos of me kicking. I don't. Anyways. Um, I don't. I don't need to post up yeah, everything so I do. I don't need to post yeah. up everything I do at the gym to like to, uh, to be calm. Yeah. Or to, no, no. Not, to, I mean, if if somebody wants me to prove it, come yeah. in and watch me do it. Yeah. But if uh, if um, and I I need to put it out there. I I do need to put a little more on social media so I don't get questions as often. But at the same time, like I'm still so confident in whatever I'm doing with striking that I know I'm an expert in striking. It's not gonna. I'm not gonna have somebody online tell me something and then feel bad about it but uh it, um i've just seen now that i'm on instagram i've seen so many gyms i didn't realize how many quote unquote like boxing or kickboxing gyms were in kirkland 
but there's like a lot like really? even right downtown exactly yeah, yep. so it's like there's a place called like <laughs> nine rounds and i'm not i'm not trying to talk bad about any of these places because a lot of them are more for fitness and cardio like the la fitness um closed two of their racquetball courts and turned them into a boxing gym Wait, at, what? The, at the la fitness yeah the la fitness in kirkland now um I know that. and yeah. and and who's teaching those classes you know and so it's like once again, that's choreographed fitness. You're teaching people boxing, but I, I, I went on and I saw some of the stuff they're teaching and I'm like, don't tell people you're teaching them boxing when you're literally teaching them Taibo. You're just teaching them of Billy Blank's form of, ah, yeah, yeah, jumping around. Uh, it's, it's, it's cardio, it's aerobic fitness cardio um, and they call it boxing and it drives me crazy and I'm not gonna act like I'm a strength coach um, like on Kabuki's level like put that next to my name until I'm a little bit more confident with that stuff like I'm not going to say that I'm a BioForce certified coach until I'm a little bit more confident with my with my knowledge of conditioning I'm not going to say I'm an FRC mobility specialist until I'm a little bit more confident with all these things to the point where like I said I don't have to ask questions but in our industry in fitness and in martial arts there's so many fakes. There's so many phonies that are like, I'm a boxing coach. I'm a kickboxing coach. And I'm like, you... Like, what do you, you know? If somebody threw a jab at your face, you would get your nose broke. Like, if if you and I... Like, so when I do advanced class and I'll be like, trade a jab back and forth. I guarantee you, if I went to do that with half of these people that are training, and I say, okay, I'm going to throw a jab and you're going to throw a jab, I would still hit them in their brainstem and bloody their lips and bloody their nose because even if I told them what I was going to do, they couldn't stop me from doing it. You know, and it's like, if you're supposed to be a boxing coach, you should be aware of what to do if somebody's throwing a jab at you or whatever. Either way, I'm, I'm just Multiple coming up things. with, yeah, I'm just coming up with like Multiple. one thing, but at the same time, like... It should be high standards. Yeah, I feel like in fitness and in martial arts, like people will do stuff and they'll... They'll train at AMC for a month and they were an AMC fighter. They'll train at <laughs> this place for three weeks and, you know, now they're a conditioning expert. They train, you know, and I'm like, it, MMA or, or uh, martial arts and fitness is one of the only things you could do that in. I couldn't play t-ball and then go like try to coach a baseball team because half of the other dads on the team would go, this guy doesn't know shit, you know, so it's like there's so many other things where people can point out an imposter but in fitness and martial arts so many imposters i mean fucking mcdojo makes the best fucking posts on instagram just 24 hours of people doing chi stuff where they stop you know they yeah. somebody's behind them and they drop them with without with even punching energy. them with their yeah. energy right and just it's it's so much nonsense going on in the world that it's like that person's making a living off of teaching that stuff and it's unreal mm -hmm. um and and so literally i could be like oh i'm this i'm this i'm this i'm blah 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 blah, blah. but like me as a person i'm not going to be confident in doing that until um until i'm like comfortable with everything from these systems so once i'm way more comfortable in the systems I'll, uh, I'll I'll start claiming that I, I that I worked with these systems that I'm a part of these systems and then like I said my main goal was to learn strength training at the highest level learn conditioning at the highest level learn joint mobility at the highest level to combine it with what we're already doing 
which is martial arts at the highest level. You know, if I can take a striker and make him stronger and make him have better endurance and also make sure that when he throws a punch, his shoulder doesn't come out of place or when he goes to move is, yeah. I mean, that's half half the time I try to move. I'm like, oh, my body's not in the right place anymore. You know, so that was part of what made me do it too was I trained for 15 years plus at this like um, go, 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 go. And would watch some people taking days off and be like, they're not training hard enough. They're not training hard enough. When it's like, um, reco- and now that I understand recovery, it's like recovery takes energy. Before that, I thought recovery gave you energy. I thought recovery was what re- what like boosted your energy. Oh, I just go to sleep for six hours and tomorrow I'm going to feel 10 times better. It's like, no. The moment you're done with that training, you should do some like parasympathetic breathing or it depends on what you're doing, you know, but I should be trying to bring my body into a resting state as soon as possible to actually kickstart recovery and understand that recovery takes ATP, takes energy. And when I understand that my recovery takes energy instead of work, 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 sitting on your ass instead of like work, work, work. And then thinking that like training harder is going to, yeah. And and also understanding recovery isn't just Mm -hmm. sitting on your butt and relaxing, but it's like, it's breathing. It's certain exercises that have recovery heart rate. It's, um, it's, it's so many different things. It is doing like FRC on certain days. It's making sure that my body feels healthy, but also understanding that those recovery things, are going to take away energy to the point where if I'm just training, 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 you don't, recovery won't happen and you'll never get to that next level. It's funny. I, I love a TV show, Baki, like Netflix remade it, yeah. but I've been, I've been rewatching the ones on like YouTube, the old ones yeah. from 2001, the old, like the older ones and old ones are better. Oh, they're, they're yeah, they are better. They're so good, <laughs> yeah. but I, I love it so much. Cause like I'm, I was always in, like I said, AMA and Dragon Ball Z and stuff. And it's like, Anything where it's about like training harder and becoming a, a better fighter is the coolest thing in the world to me. Um, and so when I was watching Baki, but it was funny because uh, now that I'm rewatching Baki, I was watching an episode and the guy was trying to school Baki on recovery. And he's like, if you don't recover, you won't ever be the best fighter ever. And I was like, dude, I should have listened to this in 2001, <laughs> man. I was like, Baki was spitting knowledge that I wasn't using in 2001. Because the way Baki would train would be, I got to train harder, I got to train harder, more, 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 you know. And it was like, that was my mentality, you know, was that, oh yeah, you know, the if I, you know, can train 10 hours in a day, if I train 12 hours, it's better. Mm-hmm. And it's actually... You know, at a certain point, that's not what science says. If you actually use science, it'll tell you that, you know, training four hours might not be better than training two hours. It might have been better to only train those two hours in a smart way than training four hours in a not smart way. Um, You know, 20,000 calories isn't always better than 10,000 calories, that type of thing. Or, you know, running 20 miles ain't always better than running 10 miles. So, um yeah, there's it's more than just numbers. Yes, sure. exactly. But you would all, I would always just think double the number, double the progress, you know, or yeah. things like that. And your body does not work like that at all. And that's why every fight I had a sinus infection, I had um, I had stomach flu. I had oh yeah oh overtrained every I actually was never healthy any fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I literally 
Um, and I could almost time it to two or three weeks before the fight. I'd get a sinus infection and to, uh, your immune about, system was low. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not understanding yeah. your immune system needs ATP, which is your energy and your immune system needs that. So when you're training so hard, you don't, it's not like recovery just happens from food and, and a couple hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like what will happen is your body will start to take energy away from your immune system. It will start to take energy away from take your vital resources. functions. Yeah. yeah your, um, or your, your, uh, rested metabolic rate, your, your normal functions that your body is supposed to do that takes energy. When you train that hard, your body can't do that normal function. And my ass would be like, Oh, if I train harder, I'm going to function better. <laughs> And, and yeah. then, like I said, I had a sinus. And then I would watch DJ and be like, oh, man, DJ should probably put in a couple more days. Da, da, da. <laughs> me, and, me and Brent would say that. Yeah. Brent would be like, yeah, DJ's not training hard enough. Da, da, da. And I'd be like, he's kicking ass, man. Like, how is he kicking so much ass? And his cardio was on this next level and shit. And then and Brent and me would be like, man, I got tired that fight. And Brent would always go, cause cause we didn't train hard enough. <laughs> Dude, Brent would always say that. One time, like one time, me, Six him, and days Danny. Six days enough. We need to seven. Add seven. Hey, seven. Oh yeah. yeah. And if and, hey, bro, seven days ain't enough. Yeah. I'm gonna make a 28 hour day yeah. because yeah. we need to train more. Right. That was literally Brent's mind. You know, yeah. he would literally try to calculate how to make two more hours in a week so he yeah. could train more, not understanding that that's not possible. But also that that's what's breaking us down. Yeah. And I mean, and and you know, unfortunately same thing with him he was broke down a lot of his career he was a i saw him i lived with him for seven years and he was a broken man for a lot of his career like he dude he would get up and you'd be like wow that guy could not move he'd be so stiff when he would wake up and every you know what i'm saying and it was like holy shit now this guy's supposed to be an active explosive fighter when he just trained so hard that he woke up looking like a board looking like a plywood you know um yeah so what I know now, I'm trying to teach to our new guys or at least learn so much that I can confidently teach them this thing. Yeah. So they don't do, they don't make the same mistakes I made, but also um, they become better fighters than I was, you know? I want everybody, and that like, some people are so ridiculous. They're like, like I want them to come to the gym and I want them to do this stuff and they're like, oh, you better watch out because I might show up. Or I, and I'm like, good. I want yeah, you to be better up. in yeah, life. Show, show I want you to be better in life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are you saying it? Like, it's something I don't want. Yeah, so like, many, like it's a challenge. Yeah, or, like, or, or so many yeah. people I think are haters in life and don't want people to like progress in life. And my thing it's, is... It's easy to pull people my down. My thing is like, yeah. I want everyone around me to be hitting another level. If you get to a level where you think you don't need me anymore, like that I should be kind of happy about that. Like, damn, bro, you're you've progressed to the point where now I need and that was the thing, like, I'm not I'm not trying to say be be a piece of shit to people and be mean to people, but when I moved to Kirkland from where I'd moved from in Vancouver, Washington, people were, like the people that grew up in Kirkland would talk about how snobby it is and how they don't like it here. And they talk about how people are gonna look down on me for driving my civic. And I said I would rather somebody look down on me for driving my Civic than going to Safeway and coming outside and somebody stole my Civic. Right. Like, yeah. you not you don't understand when you come from a place where people take your shit and you don't even have that much shit is I would much rather be in an area where people look down on me for driving that Civic because it's like they're probably not a bad person, but they just associate that civic with like less money and maybe a lower class of life. And 
that doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. That means they want me to be in a Mercedes. That means they want to be, that means they want to be surrounded by goal oriented people, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe they're not a piece of shit. Maybe they wanted something out of me that I should have wanted for myself. I should have wanted myself to be in a nicer car too. Not to say you should be materialistic because that's not the point, but the point is to want better for yourself. And I would rather people around me look down on me for not having better than people around me take what I barely have because they need more too. You know? And so it was like literally like that. It was the civic analogy, dude. You know how many of my friends went to Safeway and came back and their car was gone? I would much rather have somebody go, oh, you're driving a civic than go, Shit, let's steal his civic. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and, it, and to me, it's a no brainer, man. Like, uh, these people that grew up in the area, they're like, oh, it's this negativity, da da da. And I'm like, you can look at it as negativity, or you can look at it as these people want to be around nice shit because they have nice shit and they've worked hard for it. And they understand that if I work hard, I could possibly be. And don't get me wrong, luck plays a huge part yeah. too, you yeah. know, because I made some poor investments and almost went homeless. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, that was a fucking huge reality check was, you know, Kirkland fucking, it's hard to find rent for fucking less than $1,500 a month in Kirkland. When I moved to Kirkland, I told Pacholo, um, not far from here, I moved into a place, Winita Brook Apartments, 695, and they would give you either one month free or prorate um, that month over the year. And every single apartment complex in this area was not, not a place for one bedroom, one bath was over 700, but you could find deals. Now, fast forward 2018, 2019, and you're not finding any place for cheaper than like 11, 12, 13. Um, if you find a place for 11 in Kirkland, it's a fucking small, shitty place. If you're living on your own, if you're living with a group of people or you're living with your girl or some shit, you could probably find like a little bit higher quality places. But when you try to live on your own out here, man, it's a fuck. You're fucked. You know, and then I made a couple bad investments and it was like, holy shit. There's nowhere I could live in this area for, you know, for how much money I was losing every month and just the shit that was happening. So it's like, um, that's super stressful in life when you, when you go through things like that. But at the same time, like I said, it, it didn't discourage me to be like, oh man, I was almost homeless. Therefore I'm a piece of shit. It's like, no, I was almost homeless, man. I better get on my grind yeah. and make sure that that one, I make sure that doesn't happen again, but also make sure that, um, I'm in a position to where I'm understanding these things before they happen to the point where, okay, so so many people are in this area just like kind of going through the motions and shit. And that's where I was too. And it's like now I'm trying to really focus on, okay, what can I do for everyone around me and myself to make sure that we're not in that situation? Uh, you talked about reaching higher levels of competency uh, and, and just being uh, – more skilled trainer and everything like what are your goals for the future in in training or life or what what are your little mini goals along the way so i mean like the the final goal is to be like a coach on matt hume's level you know to be to fucking mimic matt hume on that level of martial arts um to be able to fucking but not only mimic matt hume with martial arts i want to be able to mimic joel with fucking conditioning i want to be able to be one of the best strength coaches in the world I want to be one of the best like mobility coaches in the world. I want to be one of the best martial arts coaches in the world. So that my main goal in the long run is just to be like the highest level coach in every area, which I mean, 
like that's not going to happen. You're not going to be the highest, like Joel's not the highest level conditioning coach and the highest level 17 other things. Mm-hmm. But my thing is why not try? Yeah, well, why not aspire to do that? Right, right. And, yeah. and also if those are my mentors, you know, if I have a mentor like Chris Duff and I have a mentor like Matt Hume, I have a mentor like Joel Jameson or something, why wouldn't I think, okay, these are who I'm, I'm mentoring under. These are the, I, I should try to get to this level. I should look at these people as you can do this, you know, and, and, uh, life's hard as fuck. So that's not always going to happen. And, and, um, one thing too, like somebody, I remember it might've been Jordan Peterson or somebody was talking about like Greeks understood like Greek mythology and Romans. They understood the role fate plays into life and how a lot of people just will say like hard work and timing and all this stuff. Luck is has what, a big factor. Yes, but well, yeah. exactly. Everyone acts you like can't, just, you can't dissuade that. You work hard, and the opportunity is going to come. You just need to grind and it's do this in no, time. No, not and, necessarily. And that's true. not true at all. It doesn't hurt though. It right, hurt right. To put in a lot but at the same time, I know a couple people that are pretty lucky where. They caught a break here or there. They met the right person here or there. And people are like, oh, that's not luck. That's this and that. But people that really understand life, like one of my best friends, Phil Long, he's he's pretty successful in business. And he's always like, he'll be like, oh, yeah, it's about luck. It's about fate and luck. You know, fate and luck play a huge part yeah. in... Because there's a lot of people that are good, yeah. but that never got to you know a level of success that they probably should... That they're level of goodness should have got them to because they didn't meet the right person they yeah. weren't in the right. and i mean a, an easy way to say or easy way to think about it too is like timing is so important and an easy way to break it down for a man is like how many girls did you get with where it was purely about timing you know like i've i've dated so many women that i would try to date for like a year or two years and then all of a sudden they finally went to go on a date with me and i would go why did you break down? And they're like, oh, timing. You know, oh, I, I was out of this relationship. This was going on in my life. These other things were happening. And you're just like, for real? So I never did anything different for the past two, three years while I was trying to get with you or do whatever. And all of a sudden now, because of timing, it's perfect. You know, so it's like timing and fate play such a bigger role in life than I think a lot of people want to admit. Um, and that's what was cool about like the Greeks and the Romans is they understood, you know, work as hard as you can, or I don't know how much they understood this, but it was like a lot of their like mythology was based on this, like work as hard as you can and, and do things as well as you can. But guess what? You might end up like Odysseus. You might end up in this fucked up odyssey. Yeah. Sometimes you know shit what I'm happens. saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like you could be the greatest king. You could be the greatest in all these things, but sometimes yeah. some shit will happen in life. Yeah. And uh, and it's like fate plays such a big role in that. So I'm my goals in life are to be like the highest level of whatever field I'm in. And and it's always changing because a couple years ago I didn't really care. Um, I cared a lot more about conditioning than I cared about strength training. But as I grow in life, you know, you get into different things. All of a sudden, I was like, I want to deadlift 500 pounds. I don't know why the fuck. Before, I could, I could have cared less about deadlifting. Now, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Like, now if it's like, oh my god, I get a deadlift today, like... For me, that's fucking Disneyland, dude. Like, and 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 people are like, "Oh man, that's like weird." Da, da, da. Or, or some people don't understand it, but it's like for me, I've been able to 
find happiness in certain things like fitness related that I think people get from like other areas of life. Um, and I've been fortunate enough that I, that's like fate, you know, or fortune. I found that, I found that type of happiness in martial arts or in fitness or in something. But at the same time, that's still always evolving. You know, something I care about a lot about right now in five years I might not care that much about it, you know, and then also, but there might be some other area where I care a lot about. So it's not like I'm uh, the the things that have been consistent, though, is martial arts and is fitness, you know, in my life. Those have been the two constants where I might have been into a certain kind of music. I might have been into that, you know, but we all go through phases of certain things. But at the same time, martial arts and fitness are not a phase for me. They're things that have been a constant. Um, and I really feel like when I take those to the next level or, or as long as I'm striving to take them to the next level, I'm going to go places. I'm going to get places. But it's also a lot about fate, you know. I can't, I can't be fucking homeless living in my car and be picking up women when I need to bring them home, you know, or whatever. You're like, that's going to be fate in time, you know. So it's like you need to you need to have these certain things and put yourself in these scenarios to make sure that uh, to make sure that fate actually means something. Because if you're just in a shitty place, you could be super fortunate and it not be anything, you know. But at the same time, if you put yourself, you know, you work hard and you put yourself in that right place, and then fate comes through, that's when I think like big success happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think there's, uh, I forgot exactly who said it, but people say that when they find success in business, like anyone that, yeah, it's a great deal of luck. Like you can pretty much say, I think the business owner said like, yeah, your first million, that's lucky. But then actually keeping that going, that actually takes like work and effort. Yeah. And I, think, I think that's true. It's like. I can see that. Yeah. yeah keeping um, like people when they look at, you know, they Look, they can look at luck playing a big factor in life, and they could get dissuaded by that, or they can look at, I mean, they they can, or they can look at it and think, okay, just because luck plays a factor doesn't mean that you should stop trying, right? Because and just hope that luck finds a way, right? Because then you take it completely out of your own hands. And right. I think that's almost the easy way out. From yeah. There, but saying, oh, I don't have to do anything. This makes me think of uh, that saying, your your network is your net worth. Think think of our network of people, of good quality, successful people, just at AMC. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many how many like with even with the kids, like how many lives are you touching? How many people are uh, Are you affecting are you affecting mm-hmm. and, and making their lives better and and when they go home they're in a better mood and then that translates into their job and makes their coworkers in a better mood. Like mm-hmm. it just it's it's like that giving web of energy, like from there. Yeah. But um but I think it just comes with that mindset of like trying to make people better, like around you, yeah. you know, instead of you know, instead of like that hating, yeah, you know, kind, mm-hmm. kind of a condition exactly. that a lot of people have. Because I think it's just so easy, though. It's so easy to hate on on stuff because then that takes away your. I, I believe like the big reason people hate on others is that it makes them feel better yep. that they don't have 100% that they don't yes. have it he's yeah. like oh look at this guy so yeah. he thinks he, he's like I don't know thinks like he's David like, Goggins yeah. uh, I mean, he's one of the most amazing people on planet yeah. earth but there's something he says where it's like you know if somebody says something to you and it gets to you look in the mirror and say why the fuck did that get to me yeah. because 
there's a reason that that made you angry and it's because yeah. you're probably mad about that in your own life yeah, or like, whatever. It's, it's, yeah. Was it them or was it you, you. seeing that? Yeah, because everyone knows when somebody says something like completely false or whatever, you don't give a shit. You know, you're like, whatever. But if they say something that gets to you, you should also look at yourself to see why the fuck that's getting to you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an easy perspective to be like, oh, I'm going to hate on these people and then make myself feel a lot better from hating on all these people. And I mean, we all do it. Like, I, I like to say, like, uh, when I was just at Gabe's birthday party, everyone's fucking dressed all nice and looking fucking swanky as hell. And I was like, man, I am uncomfortable right now. Like, I would rather be in sweats or no clothes. For me, I mean, I, I like just hanging out in some boxers, dude. Like, uh, the less clothes, the better for me. And I would rather just be in sweats and comfortable, right? And everybody's like dressed nice and the look and the venue was really, really nice. And I was like, dude, I don't feel like I belong. And then so I like went with Tony and Drew and I started like picking fun at other people there. And I was like, dude, I'm only making fun of these people because I'm so insecure with myself that I need to like make those around me laugh because I'm so uncomfortable, you know? But then I called myself out for it. But it took me, but it took me like probably like 15, 20 minutes of kind of like making fun of people and stuff to realize like, oh shit, I'm making fun of these guys because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be making fun of these people if uh, if I was, like, really confident with myself right now and, like, yeah, happy. Some Gucci or some Louis Vuitton shirts on. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't even care about necessarily the material things because it wasn't, I, it wasn't like I was dressed that bad. I was dressed decent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, sometimes just me dressing decent. Like, I would rather be at the gym and, and I'm comfortable in those clothes. So sometimes just putting on nice clothes makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, have to be around people that are also wearing those nice clothes. And I instantly start being like, well, I'm uncomfortable now. So I'm going to like make fun of these people because they must feel the way I feel wearing these things. When guess what? They might feel really fucking good wearing nice yeah, stuff. They might feel you know? comfortable in that setting. I mean, because yeah. shit, like Gabe looks good when he dresses nice. If I dressed like that, I'd be super uncomfortable, you know, but yet. Yeah, I see Gabe dressed like that and I'm like, fuck, he looks good, bro. Or even like Tony trying to be a little Gabe, you know, but they still look nice when they dress nice. And so it's like, yeah, people might look at me and think that I look nice when I dress nice, but I just don't feel that way. And because I didn't feel that way, I would try to make fun of others. And it's so funny because it's like, dude, I'm fucking 34 years old and I'm trying and I'm trying to make myself feel better by making fun of people. But I'm at, because I'm 34, I recognize that. And then I'll make fun of myself for doing it because it's like, bro, what, what what are you really doing here? You're, you know, it's the David Goggins thing. Look in the mirror and ask why you're being a bitch. You know, why am I being a little bitch here? Oh, I'm being a bitch because I'm not comfortable. Well, why am I not comfortable? Oh, okay. Well, f- get more comfortable in your skin. Like, be, don't think that because you're in an area that the, the reason I'm not comfortable there is because I don't, I'm not in those scenarios scenarios often, right? I'm at the gym six days a week you know like and when i am like in a usual nicer area it would be when i was like at daniel's where i'm taking care of those people right so i'm not on that level with those people i'm the one taking care of them or whatever so in my mind it's like just because you're at these nice places i'm the one that was kind of like helping clean up after the people in these places yes yes and and then so you kind of bring yourself down there and then what happens when I start like talking to the people and having fun with them? Most of them are pretty fucking cool. And actually, 
I probably could have networked with and and had some success by networking with these people and got something out of it, but not only for myself to where I could, what we were talking about earlier, I can possibly give something back to them that's going to make them happy and take that home to their wife and their kids and then that happiness can fucking spread. And I'm literally, by making fun of them and putting my own insecurities out there, I'm taking away happiness I could possibly give to them that they could also reciprocate back to me. Right. So it's like me closing myself in this little area. Yeah, insulating yourself. Yes, and making yeah. fun of people because I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. is only fucking me over, but it's also possibly taking something out of their life too. You know, mm-hmm. like I, 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 can't, I shouldn't sell myself short. Like I... I could fucking get those people in the best shape of their fucking right. life. Yeah. You know, or so, private. Yes, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Something yeah. of value kind of, you can give them. Give to them. And that also might give something of value back to me. And yeah. even if it's just like this, like I and that's something like, I don't coach martial arts for money. I coach martial arts because I love it, dude. And then if I can also make money off of it, awesome. Mm-hmm. But like my reciprocation that I get back isn't money. It's giving into their life and them appreciating it. And when I see somebody appreciate what I gave to them, dude, like when you, man, like, you know, I've had some students out of AMC that don't even know how much they've touched my life because I was probably down and then I gave something to them that made them happy and then that made me happy. And so it's like, dude, and, and so it's so funny how like you get in these scenarios where you're uncomfortable and you make fun of everybody else when really it's just like, look in the mirror and ask why you're being a bitch yeah. you know i love david goggins yeah. but yeah no but finding finding that value in yourself too and like understanding like what you can what you can offer people yes having confidence that you you are a valuable person because i think that's essentially what uh going back to the thing talking about people that hate on other people they don't the reason they're projecting that hate is because yeah they look in the mirror and they don't like themselves right and that's what and that's what they're projecting out to the world yeah that negative energy that they yeah. have around them they want to make people feel like them yeah. right essentially whether they know it or not yeah. yeah and then but I mean and and then when I'm hating on other people in like the fitness field or martial arts I'm actually not hating on them to the point where it's like man you fucking suck you should quit and fucking you like give up on life mm-hmm. I might be hating on them to the point where I think maybe they should come to our team. And then we can make them better, you know, instead of being like, because hate doesn't always necessarily need to be a negative thing because I can also thrive off hate. Like when people are like, oh, you can't do it. I'm going to push a lot harder. Well, Well, I think a lot of it too is they're selling a lie. And what fighting and martial arts is, it's the fucking truth, man. Yes. So it's honest. Yeah. You can't lie about that. Mm -hmm. No, it's so honest. Mm -hmm. Or real fitness is honest. Mm -hmm. Can you really you run fucking twenty miles? Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Take your yeah. Five hundred <laughs> yeah. pounds is five hundred pounds. Right. Twenty miles is twenty miles. Like those are real fucking tangible things, you know that um, that I could fluff somebody and tell them, "Oh man, you're the strongest guy in the world." Right. But then if they can't lift fucking that five hundred pounds, that's yeah. real, you yeah. know. And same with like martial arts. Like some of these people, dude, you're. You're gonna knock everybody out. You're Bangkok ready. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bangkok, Bangkok ready. ready. But, Dude, uh, yeah, I love yeah. I love that term. <laughs> What's even funnier yeah. is that that term got used against me when people were trolling on me, and I'm like, dude, I think that term is so funny, yeah. and I would beat the fuck out of those people that said that to me. Yeah. But it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think well, the biggest thing about when people are you know imposters of like you know 
fitness and martial arts. I think the biggest thing is that uh, the the students or people that train underneath them could be doing so much better, and they don't know. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that gets me. I'm like, man, if those people knew how they're getting taken advantage of, it's like, like where they could be finding like real credible sources and actually getting better. I'm like, yeah, what a yeah, well, what a shame. Yeah. Exactly. So we're not necessarily hating on them to hate on them. Yeah. We're hating on them because maybe I want better for you too. Like yeah. the way this guy looked down on my civic. Mm-hmm. Maybe he really just, you know, he, he doesn't like my civic, not because he thinks I'm a piece of shit, but because he thinks I should be in a Mercedes too or some shit. Like, why is this guy in a civic? He's settling for less or something like that, yeah. you know? And so maybe sometimes when I'm looking at martial artists, I'm like, dude, why does that guy settle for that? He could, he could be more. Yes. Yeah. And we could show you how to be more. And I've yeah. taught people how to be Being more. more so possible. I know it's yeah. real. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 that's the thing is like, you know, sometimes everyone will hit like a plateau where not everyone is going to be John Jones. Not everyone's going to be DJ. Not everyone's going to fucking lift a thousand pounds or whatever. Everyone has a limit with life, but why not get to that limit or at least try to explore those yeah. limits? Why not get better? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't are. use that as the yeah. excuse for the shit. Yeah. I'm never going to have, I'm never going to be able to run fucking um, the Moab 240. So I'm not ever going to try to run a half marathon. You know, it's like, wait, what the fuck? No, run a half marathon and run a few half marathons, run a marathon, yeah. run a, run a 12, good 20K, run a 50K. Da, da, da. Yeah. It's like, put yourself out there and do more. If it's what you want to do, but as and also if it's like good, don't put yourself out there and do more. <laughs> just, if it's drugs, <laughs> it's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Whoa, easy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. right. Mike said I could do more. <laughs> a little bit of heroin, good. You know, a lot of it heroin is. Yeah, you know, it's like no. When that, yeah, that, if it's a negative thing, don't start taking it that far. But when it yeah. is positive things in life, man, you know, try to take it to that next level. And also, like, if somebody's hating on you. Maybe just think that they want more from you. You know, maybe they're thinking, and that's the thing. Like, um, because with a lot of my friends, like, I only have so many close friends, and a lot of my, and some of my friends are like, some of them will be like, "God damn, Michael was an asshole," and it's like, man, I expected a lot out of you. If I, if you're in my like inner circle, I expect a lot out of you in life, and not just, um, not just like with the area we're in, like not just fitness or martial arts. Like I expect you to be a good person, dude. And I expect, yes, overall. Otherwise I'm going to call you out and be like, bro, you're being a piece of shit. But I expect, and and I expect my friends to do the same to me if I'm getting on that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is too, is you might not want to hear it. It might ruin a friendship, but when it comes from a good place, I would rather, you know, us ruin our friendship to try to elevate our lives than us bullshit each other and, and bring each other down. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens with a lot of friendships is people yeah. will get content and we're like, bro, we're stuck in partying and what, you don't want to party anymore? Now you're a bitch, da, da, da. And it's like, bro, what, like, okay, maybe they don't want to party anymore because they're going for something better or maybe also you should maybe not want to party so much. Or maybe also you go through cycles of partying where guess what? Sometimes partying is hella fun. Sometimes it's not. And then sometimes it's really fun again. You know, three years down the road, next thing you know, you're like, what? How did we end up at Burning Man? <laughs> or something, right? You know, but it's like, so you're like right now I'm not planning on going, but you know, who knows if in the in the future that will happen or whatever. But it's just like those type of things. And that's something else that, I also, I always like, I, I hate the mentality of, oh, I'm too old to do that now. Especially like I'm 34 <laughs> yeah. and I hear so many people that are way younger than me, especially because I hang out with some kids that are like in their early 20s and I'll hear so many people be like, 
oh, I'm too old for that, or that, or they'll Just say something. Limiting factors and it's like, things. oh, cool, yeah. you're ready to die. Right. Oh, sweet. You know, or you start my, burying your grave. <laughs> me and my friend Juan were talking about how Juan was like, man, it's crazy how people think that you have to reach your peak fitness in your early 20s or some people are even so crazy to think it was your high school years you know and 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 then we were like oh cool so now that you're 30 you're just ready to die like oh the last 50 years of your life are downhill so it went up so it went up for 30 and then now 50 down like what are you saying bro like and my mom's in her 70s my mom's 72 and like we'll almost never ever say she's too old to do something not that she's out fucking going to raves or partying right. obviously she's not but she's not gonna be like oh i'm too old yeah. to do this because age is a, such a mentality that it's like you know she's not gonna get into negative things but at the same time she's not gonna start saying that she's like too old to do certain things like she just went to italy and traveled all around for her seven for her birthday you know she went a little bit after but it was like Imagine my mom being like, "Oh, I'm 72. I'm too old to go do that. I can't. I can't go to Italy on my own and go backpack and do this and that." And it's like, no. My mom's like, "Shit, I need to go do this." You know that. And so it's just like, don't tell yourself that you're too old for something in life. When I just watched Matt like fucking kick everyone's ass at the gym in his fifties. Yeah, with a bad knee and. Bad back, bad Dude, shoulder, bad whatever. Uh, whatever's bad is also better than everybody else's that's healthy. Yeah. I'm like, the way he was moving when yeah. he was throwing yeah. this, like, his, low kick. Yeah, his, like, 50%. Yeah. The way he was moving, I was like, I was watching him when they were doing, like, light leg sparring, and I'm like, dude, that's a guy that's come off, like, three ACLs, ACL surgeries and, like, all this other stuff. Bro, every other week, he's like, yeah, I pulled another muscle in my arm. Oh, I tweaked my calf. Or, like, something's always wrong. But he moves but, beautiful. Yes. But it's the best move like, you've ever I seen in your tell. life. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, that, that was like, I was telling me. Matt, I, like I said, I was laughing and I was telling Matt, I was like at that FRC conference, they talked about how a lot of the best movers are dancers because they have such good body control. And, you know, and you look at a great dancer, you look at high level dancers, they can do things with their legs. They have proprioception of their body f- while they're upside down. You know, they, they can do all this insane stuff. And I was laughing at Matt and I was like, Matt, I love the way you blend like breakdancing and fighting. And he's like, yeah, well, stand-up is pop and locking and ground game is breakdancing. And I'm like, dude, I'm stealing that. I was like, that's so fucking cool because Matt, his body control as he's moving, and I mean, it would happen with Trevor and I watch Haru and I watch other martial artists where the art comes out in the martial arts where you watch him do it and you're like, dude, that looks like beautiful dance, but you're breaking his leg, breaking his nose, breaking his ribs. So you're doing this beautiful rhythmic dance, but it's to the point where it's also complete destruction. It's like, dude, you do dance destruction. It's the coolest shit in the world, you know? It's like, what? Like, I feel like, and it's also something that, like, humans should be meant to do. When you see Matt, like, do some of these movements or you see Trevor do some of these things or you see Haru do some of these things, I'd be like, man, they the way they move is, like, all humans should be able to yeah. move like that. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. Or it's should so aspire cool. to try and move. Exactly. Like yeah. yeah, why not try to have, and not just martial arts, but your whole movement and then your whole life kind of generate off those things. And it goes back to like what I said with Robert Follis being like, oh, you're in a bad mood? Smile. Put a smile on your face. Like, literally put a smile on your face. And then all of a sudden, you start to like giggle. And then you're kind of like, your shoulders lighten up. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what was I so upset about? And it, it, your whole mind changes off a smile on your face, you know, or just something little like that. But it's like, if I didn't aspire 
for that or didn't like have that mentality to put that smile on my face because it's a choice to put that smile on your face. Mm-hmm. It's a choice to you know show up to martial arts class and try to move like this or do these things. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, that old excuse of, you know, I'm too old, I think it's really just, I mean, it's a cover up for what the truth is. It's like, it's not that important to you or you don't want to do it because it takes away, as soon as you say you can't do something, it takes away the pressure of you doing it because you're like, oh, well, then I don't have to do it. Yeah. And then I'm not going to fail at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you can't fail at something you don't try. And that's what, that's what people, if anything, as people, the one thing that is consistent as people get older, they try less things because they don't want to fail at it. Right. Like and me. and I'm super yeah. scared of failure. Um, I mean, I'm 34 everyone, years yeah, old, yeah, and it's everyone's like, scared. I'm so failure. scared of failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, I have gotten to the point where it's like I'm hella scared of failure, but embracing those fears and then realizing like fear is such a lie. Yeah. Um. Is is just a crazy figure out, thing. Figure out what's actually important to you. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like. If something's important to you, you'll find a way. And if it's yeah. not, you'll find a way out. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that's just how it is, like, simply. I mean, right. yeah, we'll go in the way. Yeah, luck has a big factor. In right. Everything, but what you can't control is your effort. And the attitude, perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like, there are controllable factors that you can do to put you in a better spot. Yeah. You know? And I always thought, it's funny, because I always, like, would keep in my mind, like, fear is a lie. But then they have like even sayings where it's like fears like false expectations appear in real or something like that. Like mm-hmm. where people have created acronyms for yeah. it where it's like pretty much like everyone in life that accomplishes this, sh- this shit, they accomplish something that they were probably scared of. They accomplish in the face of fear. Yes, in the face of fear. And they went yeah. past it, you know. Yeah. And so it's like to, to, to be successful, you're probably never going to, you're not going to not fail or you're not going to go through that fear of not failing yeah. or, you know, cause if you're going to do something worth it, the failing side of it is going to be huge. Yeah. You know, like if, if there's no risk, there's no reward. Exactly. Yeah. If, 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 if you're not, if yeah. you're not scared of something, then what you're doing is probably not worth doing. Right. Like from it. Right. Just like, I mean, we were talking or, you know, beforehand about people like getting better when they, when they're, when they fight It's because that's, that's the thing. They're scared because they have to face down that fear of failure, the fear of looking like, you know, looking like a loser. Right. And they have right. to, they have to face that fear and they have to, well, either I can, get better or I can just, you know, lie down now, yeah. you know, from yeah. there. And it's like, figure out what, what, what are you going to do mm. when that pressure's on you? Like yeah. That. Well, that was also, so that was like the, the reason I got into like a uh, pistol shooting when I became like obsessed with pistol shooting, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with like IPSC and IDPA and all yeah. these types of, um, like run and gun type shooting and, and shooting at like the highest level. Um, I became obsessed with that was because when I first was shooting, I could barely hit the piece of paper at, at seven yards, five yards. I could not hit a huge piece of paper. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Then I learned, okay, learn trail controller and front sight focus. And then I became obsessed. I bought a couple books. I took some courses. I read one of them. Next thing you know, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Because you wanted to get better at it. Oh my gosh. It was like a a mindset book more than anything. It wasn't even about shooting. It's like relaxing your mind and your body and and controlling it all. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. That book actually helped me with fighting too. No, but I think that's what any mindset book shows you that the craft is not in the act. I mean, the technique is important, but it's the person that that channels that is also important. Yeah, the mindset to to have the finest technique takes mindset. 
and you see that at the highest level, there's some common concepts for any master, yeah. for mastery of anything, like right. from there. And that, that's yeah. also what I was gonna say. Like, so that's why I got really into shooting was because I sucked at it, yeah. and I was like, man, this is hard to do. Like, people think shooting is easy. Shooting is not easy. Like, and, and shooting at a high level is not easy at all. And then also, I sucked. I sucked so bad at powerlifting when I first started. Like. Um, I was way stronger in high school as far as like uh, squat, bench, deadlift. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, like got into powerlifting like a, about a year and a half, two years ago or whatever, I could bench more than I could squat, you know? And, and when you're in that scenario, you're not really in a healthy place for your body unless like, unless you're, you know, one of those dudes that benches way over 700 and that's your living is benching and, and you're just a, a barrel of a man and that's what you do or whatever. Then maybe it's okay to bench more than you squat. But like the average person, like I guarantee the average person benches more than they squat when that should not be the case. Your legs should be so much stronger than your upper body. But also it was just like, I knew how strong I was when I did lift consistently and also like as a martial artist or whatever, you're like, oh, I'm like strong in these areas. And then when I got under a bar and I was like, dude, fucking, I can't squat 200 pounds without fucking pulling something, mm -hmm. you know? And then I was like, now I wanna squat four plates. Now I wanna squat, you know, and eventually it's like my mind, like my my goal in the future is to squat five plates, you know? And I, and I, uh, I know what, if I stick with it and stay healthy, it will be something that will happen eventually. But at the same time, it's also going to probably take another three years and I'm down. I'm, I'm cool with that because for me, it was like martial arts wasn't about getting good in six months. Martial arts is about, I'm going to be better when I'm 50 than I am now. And, and same with like powerlifting. Maybe, maybe I won't have, um, the, the numbers that I'll have when I hit my peak in whatever year I hit my peak or whatever. But I still want to make sure that technique is on point to the point where, yeah, I might be 50 and not as labeled as, as much as I was lifting in my late 30s or early 40s, but I want to make sure that technique is still on point, if not better than it was then. And all these other things where it's like, it, it's a constant progression, you know, with shooting, with powerlifting. I sucked so bad at those things, so I wanted to get good at them. Um, like I suck at like driving go-karts and racing, you know, but I didn't really want to get into it because I didn't have that passion. But who knows, maybe... We need to go do that. Maybe like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best damn go-kart race. Well, and that's the thing though, right? So it's like some things I suck at and it lit a fire under my ass to become the best at it. Yeah. Some things I sucked at and I was like, damn, I suck at that. And I don't really care to get that much better at it and I'm cool <laughs> yeah. with being shitty yeah. at it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I'm cool with like Finding being on Yeah, yeah. It, well, but also like, you know, like failure um, is like subjective as well. Like I'm cool with getting beat on a racetrack by a little girl. I'm not cool with getting beat in the weight room or getting beat in martial arts by a little girl or even with like shooting. I, when I was taking it serious, like now don't get me wrong, there's too many like little girls that probably outshoot me. Um, but at the same time, like when I was super into it, it's like, you know, I don't want to be to the point where some somebody that barely practices or somebody that is like new at this thing is going to be better at me than it, you know. Um, and fortunately, sometimes that type of stuff happens, you know, like, uh, but that that's also why I like pick and choose what I'm into, you know. Uh, I, I was really into basketball when I was younger and then I kind of fell out of it. And I'm not going to be like so into basketball now to the point where I'll be like, 
what I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best ever. Three games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, right now, because I know like if there's a girl that has a scholarship to UW, she's kicking my ass in basketball, and I'm totally cool with it. You know, but if we got, you know, if if I'm shooting, if I'm shooting consecutively, and I'm in that room with somebody that's not shooting that often, or somebody that in my mind I should be better than, then it's like. Uh, th- that fear of failure comes up a lot. That fear of failure will come up way more, but at the same time, that competitive drive in me will come out where that fear of failure will bring out the best of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like that fear of failure. You can either take it to make to bring out the best of you, or you can also make it to be like, I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> like, hey, I failed at that, but I really don't care because it didn't affect my life that much. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, well, that fear of failure or also that sucking at something, I mean, we all we all can relate to that, like, in martial arts because, you know, we didn't just go in and we're like, oh, man, best ever at this. Guess I can just call it a day. No. I mean, that, that that's it's what gets in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, once again, understand that mindset that's, that we then transfer that yeah. to other things that we that we then use in, in our lives, just realizing that, yeah, that just because, just because you're you're not good at something right now doesn't mean that you won't be good at it like the next day if you just keep working keep uh keep adjusting and just keep trying to get better at it yeah i think it's also important to aim high too yes we all want it we all want to be pro fighters we all want to be the best coach we all want to be like i want to be the best welder i want you know i always want to aim high and be the best i want to be 50 second welder (laughs) yeah yeah. and so even if you fall short you're still going to be really fucking good Good. at whatever you were trying to be yes you know yeah Yeah. that's really what's important exactly and i guess also in the biggest like comparison is like you can what matters is that you're getting better essentially yeah. it's like yeah, yeah and, that. and understand like yeah you don't need to be exactly like somebody else but just that doesn't mean you shouldn't aspire to right. Cause, you know because perfection technically is you know technically That's, impossible right but does that mean you shouldn't that doesn't mean you shouldn't aspire to get there right right and right then, yeah yeah to to try and go to try and hit that limit yeah, and I think that's. I mean, that's probably like a reason why a lot of us are. You know, why we're we're still in this field. Yeah, for sure. And then just seeing other people, you know, want, and then us all as instructors, seeing people, you know, wanting to, people to be better than us. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's pretty yes. simple. Like from there, I mean, yeah. like across the board, I want you know anyone, uh, you know, I can instruct or teach, you know, or yeah. help out. I want them to get better, and I if if. I want them to get a point where they're better than me because yeah. then that means, oh, then that means I can learn something from yeah. them. Yeah, and also, yeah. like, yeah. for me, like, I, I think people not only know that I want them to get better when we're doing stuff, but then they, like, feed off my energy because, like, you guys know, when I see somebody doing something well, I start, I get more hyped yeah. than when yeah. I do it well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I see you guys do yeah. something well, I'm like, ah, like, I start freaking out. Like, oh, my God, I don't even know if I did it that well. You know, and so it's like, I, I love that feeling to be in, like, Oh my God! Did you guys just do that better than I did? That's so cool, da, 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 or whatever. Like I would, you know, that would be awesome if my students got better than me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, with martial arts and everything, you're still gonna try to be kicking ass. You know, we For still sure. all have that. No, because you're still gonna want yeah, to be better. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, martial arts is that funny thing where you want everyone to get better, but you also want to be the best. <laughs> yeah. No, but but it's a funny thing where I think really that, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want everyone to get better, but then I'm, I want to be better. Than I you. want you to yeah. be better than me, 
but then tomorrow I want to wake up better than you. Yeah. You better be for like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I want to make sure I'm right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Now I need to get better just, than you. Just, yes. Just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just, so good. But yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just that ever-growing journey. For sure. Yeah. Life. Yeah. Well, I think... I think that that's been pretty good. We got any like parting words or? I, I think uh, we went over a lot of pancreation and a yeah. lot of philosophy. A lot of philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. A lot of mixed martial arts and a lot of philosophy. Um, yeah. And I kind of ramble on too much to point where sometimes I lose track of thought. So next time we do this, um, I said Bold this last time, but next time we do this, I'll probably be in a better. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to keep train of thought a little you, better. You'll be getting better, just like we all are. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get, I'll get yeah. better at, 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 yeah. at talking on a podcast. Because mm-hmm. my main thing with talking is I'll end up on six subjects in five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not, not necessarily a bad thing. I ain't mad about yeah. it. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. No, no, Sometimes though I'm talking, great. and I'm like, am I still talking? <laughs> <laughs> You have an inner commentary in your mind, like, what am I talking yeah. about? Yeah, how have I not shut up yet? And also, why are you guys listening? <laughs> <laughs> On that, I think we should end it. Yeah, that's good. All right, this has been Pancreation Philosophy. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>